home. It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris and Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. Free men need to be able to protect their families. It's really sad to see people hurt, livelihoods destroyed, even homes destroyed, just to make a political point. Free men take action when churches face heartbreaking attacks. And while cowards stand idle, free men run towards the sound of gunshots when children are in danger. I'm so thankful for free men who stand ready with the tools of liberty. Lord, please give us bigger giants. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Can we kill the ones we have first? Oh, no. <laughs> hey, y'all, welcome to Cross Politics on the Fight Life Feast Network. Got Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox on the Waterboy. We got uh, CEO, corporate partner, Robert Bortons. Classical Conversations. Show. Yep, Classical Conversations on the show. show. To talk about our problems in Idaho. And all problems in America. <laughs> and all, all problems in America. In the we universe. want bigger giants. Bigger giants. <laughs> Classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview and fellowship with other families. They provide a, class, a classical Christ-centered curriculum, local like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries around the world, and they train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected today, please visit their website at classicalconversations.com. That's classicalconversations.com. Calm. Uh, I got to say one thing before you go. Uh, okay. Because I'm disappointed. Um, we owe our audience an apology. Uh-oh. Mm. We said today uh-huh. we was going to be talking about David French. Oh, yeah. Remember we said that? We yeah, said we did. Friday. Oh, right. well, I can talk about David French, too, if you well, want me to. You know what? <laughs> audience, I'm, I, I take back my apology today. Robert Boyd is going to be talking about David French, Are too. we going to get there? Well, we gonna maybe get there? not all of it, but we'll talk a little. But, but we'll, for sure on Friday, Wednesday. We'll warm it Wednesday. up for Wednesday. Wednesday. How about beer, that? So. Beer, Psalms, and David French on Wednesday. <laughs> Man, that's kind of a rough combination. <laughs> you might need the psalms after we get What order are you singing that? What yeah. order are you doing no, that no. in? I have to pick my psalm out carefully. It'd be beer first, then David French, <laughs> then the psalms. <laughs> Robert Bortons is the CEO of Classical Conversations, which since his assumption of the role has grown more than 300%. He's an author and speaker with the mission of knowing God and making him known. Robert, thanks for coming back on Cross Politics. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Glad you, to be here talking about whatever you want to talk about today. Oh, yeah, thank you. That's that's a lot gentler than when you got on the line here before the show. <laughs> um, maybe maybe you should take a drink of water, maybe. I don't know. Just Are you thirsty? Oh, yeah, cheers. Oh, oh look at that. Hey, look, look at that. that. Look at that I've fight, laugh, feast. That's going to go viral. Everybody Swag. needs to become a fight, laugh, feast club member. You're missing out if you're not one. <laughs> <laughs> you better preach, preacher. Where, where's my preacher? Where's that organ? Robert, um, so have you figured out how to break the government's stronghold on education? Have I figured out how to, you know, I think it starts with the family, like any good thing. And uh, for us here in the United States, it's to, we've been doing it. You know, the number of homeschoolers in the United States was just about 10, 20,000 just a couple decades ago. 
Now it's over 3 million. So mm-hmm. it's one family at a time. It's uh, teaching parents that they do have a choice. Not that the government should pay for that choice, but that there are choices available to them. Um, and uh, we got to do it through the church. I think, um, you know, one of the things that we need to do is to start getting um, really parents educated before they have kids. Because a lot of parents make financial mm. decisions that make it so that their choices are limited because they maybe bought a house that was too big or spent money on cars they shouldn't have purchased because they didn't have kids. They had two incomes, yeah. you no know, dual income, no kids. And then they get used to a lifestyle instead of saying, Hey, this is an opportunity for me to prepare for my future. So I think we got to start doing that in the Christian church and continue to show that there's a better way that uh, government education is failing. And that if you opt out of the system, that uh, you will have uh, more success uh, eternally. And uh, yeah, you have to make some sacrifices, but what good thing requires no sacrifices to be made right um so so, so right, i think uh right, i mean that's what, the that's the main idea so you i mean i've mm. been following you on, on on twitter here and there and and you've been i mean like you've been going off a little bit on these esas these education sure. savings accounts and of course th- these things are being um championed by a lot of conservatives as a way of helping people get out of the system, maybe particularly those who are uh, poor or, or, or single mom or, you know, people like that who maybe, you know, it's not, it wasn't just a lifestyle choice. It's just, I mean, that's just where they are providentially. Um, you know, I've got concerns too, but, but, um, but you've been kind of going off. So uh, we just wanted to give you an opportunity. What's the problem with ESAs? Yeah. So the ESAs, there's three really big lies that they're t- talking about with school vouchers. Uh, the first one is it's your money that they're just giving you your money back. Well, I mean, I pay a lot in taxes, but uh, the average family's not paying 8,000 to 12,000 a student a year in taxes. So you're not actually getting your money back. You're getting your neighbor's money back. Hmm. Uh, you're taking money from, uh, you're not actually lowering, none of these bills have actually lowered the amount of income or money going to public schools. That's, They've all uh, just added more tax burdens to your neighbors. Uh, so those on uh, you know single income, those on retirement, uh, those without any kids, those are all paying for your kids' uh, education. Okay. Uh, the second big lie that they're telling you is the fu- they're funding students, not systems. Right. Well, not a single one of these bills has cut a penny, like I said, out of the public school systems. They're still sending money to the public schools. Yes, if you sign all these paperwork and agree through jumping through these hoops that, uh, yeah, you can maybe get your student funded by the state uh, right now. Um, but still, they're funding the system because the students are still just going into some some system at the time. If they wanted to be honest about funding students and not systems, they would just make it universal in the sense that every single student would get a check for their $8,000 or $10,000. And if they wanted to go to public school, they'd force those students and those families to write the public schools a check for eight or $10,000. Mm-hmm. At least then the parents and the students might have some buy-in mm-hmm. to getting a good education if uh, they're saying, what? Right. I'm paying $10,000 for this public school. I had no idea. Right. You better make sure my kid can read, write, and do arithmetic yeah. in 12 years. And come back out and a boy then, or a girl. Yeah. <laughs> the third <laughs> lie is they're saying, well, it's going to provide choices. They're doing demand-side economics. And so they're saying, if we give this money to these families, that more options will pop up. 
Well, for the last two years, we've gone through a demand side economic uh, trial and inflation is through the roof and quality of service is down. And of course, we've already tried this with higher education, uh, with the Pell grants and all of those sorts of nonsense. Yeah. So we've already tried this 40 years ago and we see the end results is uh, lower quality and higher uh, inflation, higher costs. Right. So the reason I'm so passionate about this is it's conservatives who think I think they should know better. They're on my side are literally pushing middle-class welfare. They're mm. trying to normalize welfare for the middle mm. class, mm. which will just bring in UBI. It'll bring in Medicaid for all. So every single progressive dream. Sounds like uh, diseases. That they UBI, want. UBI, Medicaid for all. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see that vaccine. <laughs> Yeah, those those so, definitely STDs. Yeah. So let me give you an example. So I was at a, a retreat where David French spoke. So that's why. Oh, he's going there. Oh, oh, um, but uh, Carrie McDonald, you know, uh, kind of a friend of ours at CC, uh, head of FEE, Freedom Economics Education. Mm -hmm. uh, they're pushing these school vouchers. And she stood up to speak and said, you know, we had this big win in Iowa. We got universal vouchers. Praise the Lord. They left homeschoolers out of it. That's what we're fighting for here at Classical Conversations. Um, but she said the problem in Iowa, it's almost impossible to start a new school because the um, red tape is so hard. It's like, okay, so you <laughs> gave money to students to go to schools that can't be created because of the red tape. Right. Isn't the conservative answer to regulation and red tape is to cut it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And let the market work, right. not subsidize a market that can't expand. Uh, you're using I logic, I bro. Hold on. I got a question in oh, the back. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> got a question okay, in the okay, back. Okay, okay. I think even I think everybody would agree with you. Yes, that's what we want to do. But the system is so big, we have to find ways to um, to chip at the armor so that we sure. can break through. And so these things aren't the end of them in and of themselves It's to be able to weaken the stronghold that it has so that we can break it at some point, Dave. I'm yeah. Sorry. So I did talk to, um, I, I've heard that argument and I understand, um, when you see the government, when you have a hammer in your toolbox, everything is in the nail. And so when you see these think tanks, uh, they see government and they say, how do we use government to, you know, bring forth these ideas? And so when you talk to parents and you say the average public school in America spends $14,000 per student, what should we do about it? They yeah. say double it. <laughs> right. And so their idea is like, can we just break this idea of public school? And can we create just this idea of you don't have to go to the local government school and that will help parents leave the um, system. But I'm not concerned about, we already have parents leaving the system. We already have waiting lists for private schools and we already have a record number of people homeschooling. What you're doing is taking those people who are in private education and normalizing the government funding of it. You know, Jesus told the... Um, story, the parable of building on sand and building on rock. And so anytime we build on government funding, we're building on sand. I mean, just look at like all of these regulations the federal government is pushing out. Like if you take met expanded Medicaid or Medicare in your state now, uh, 
One of the things President Biden is working on is to force the state hospitals that are taking that to do transgender minor surgeries yep, or yeah. a chemical castration yeah. of minors. Right. So um, whenever you have strings attached, that gives a foothold and a stronghold to the enemy. So um, I know Scott Hender. Henderson was on. Henderson. Henderson. Herndon. Excuse me. Herndon. Scott Herndon. I'm He's talking about this. And I, yeah, no. And so, like, <laughs> for me, for like, Henderson. I listen to Scott, and I don't know if you can play his clip. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Should we play that right now? Let's listen to this real quick. Yeah. This ESA was going to say, here's the $3 billion we're spending here. We're going to create a new little bucket of money, this little pie right here. And you have to, if you're a student in this pie, and you want to participate in this pie, which is curriculum, tuition, private school, tutors, then you have to leave this pie. So the student exits this system to go participate in this new system. And, and I argued yesterday that when the Constitution talks about a system, I used an example of a railroad system. It's not just Union Pacific. It's the whole interconnected parts, which for us... It's not just the 300,000 participating in charter and public schools, but it's all 327,000. If you want uniformity and if you want to fulfill the constitutional mandate, you got to provide an opportunity for all of them. Now, as a homeschooling parent, I wouldn't participate. We're talking about getting people out of the public system to participate in something else. That's mm -hmm. the goal of this. And so then to show that there's a, another path. So if their kid opts out of this pie, then over in this pie, what would be available for them is $5,950 approximately, which is half of what we're spending on a student in this pie right now. So right now we're spending about $12,000 on a student in that pie. And if we have them go over to this pie, we'd spend half that, $6,000. And we'd also incentivize them over in that pie that if they spent in any given year less than that $6,000, then that additional amount, the amount they save, would roll over and be available in a future year. So it basically incentivizes being efficient with your money as you use it over in that pie. So, so Robert, he's he's even seeing himself like I wouldn't do it as a homeschooler, <laughs> like as a homeschooler dad. But he's seeing that a way in order to break up the 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 whole system by having them opt out of the original government education in order to be able to get that funding. They have to be over here. That's it seems like at least an option, right? Well, and because I would want to add well, here, the legislators in Idaho, it's written in our state's it's a, constitution. It's our state constitution. The, the constitution he's referring to is the Idaho constitution. Not right. the federal. Yes. Right. Where the Idaho state constitution says that the, the legislators have to provide for a system of uh, education. Of public education. Of, of education. So he's he's just from a legislator standpoint saying, hey, we have to do this. This is our duty. How can I maybe sure. break up the monopoly from this this standpoint? Well, yeah. So let me first say, if we could have a hundred Scots in every single state house in the Come United States, now. life would be a lot better. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> That's true. So I'm sure I That's agree true. with Scott on 98% of what he's saying. Yeah. And I am sympathetic to, uh, there are states like Idaho that might have it in its constitution. Would love to see someone trying to amend, amend it. That's going to probably be a hard lift. Yeah. Um, but Hey, I mean, let's be honest. Most politicians either redefine what the constitution says or just ignores it. Um, yeah. but, um, no, let's not, let's I mean, not support that. Robert. <laughs> We're not supporting. What I'm saying is that there can be more creative ways. Than, uh, All, right, Hillary. All right, Hillary. Um, so, 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 
So homeschooling in itself is not expensive. I mean, you know, there's programs that are maybe a couple thousand dollars a year per student on the high end. You know, you can do it for free. I think the average homeschoolers spend about $800 per year on it. So uh, the expensive part of homeschooling is not having a second income, a second full income, because a lot of people, you know, can't figure out how to work two jobs. So giving them $6,000 to a homeschooler, um, they're not really going to use a significant portion of that. And then the, for the private schools, if you have 10 seats, and right now you're charging $6,000 a year for those 10 seats, um, and suddenly all these other people want to give you $6,000, all you're going to do is over a course of time start charging $12,000 because you know every current person can afford the 6000 mm -hmm. and they've got a $6000 voucher in front of it so now you're a $12000 yeah. school um and that's what we've seen in higher ed so we've already seen that play out time and time again where the, val the value for your dollars gone down and the costs have gone up uh, question in the back again um yeah. What makes it's always a black guy in the back? I'm just you know? saying, we got questions. <laughs> we hadn't always been at the front of the bus to get them answered. Uh, so, what's the difference between the private school and the homeschool? Because I think homeschoolers say, Well, we ain't never had six thousand dollars before. Why don't we go ahead and splurge a little bit? <laughs> I see. Oh, well, you can. I, I, I mean, that's, I, I a, like, that's great for us. I'm stupid arguing against it, right? I can. Jack all my prices up two, three hundred percent over the next few years, and yeah. just become a crony capitalist and uh, get all that money. And I can just say I'm helping the kids. Right. You know, I'm donating money to my church. Like we're doing well, all these good yeah. things I, that I we're think, doing. I think the argument from right. from higher education, I think that's I think that's right on. I mean, yeah. as soon as government started doing the Pell grants, yep. every everything yep. tanked. Uh -huh. Everything tank. The prices went through the roof because uh -huh. you're right. It, the prices the prices will will raise to meet where where the where the cash allows. Since for. the 70s, they've gone up over a thousand percent increase in pricing and, for higher ed. And at the same yep. time, academic performance has plummeted. Yep. And mm -hmm. um and the and, and they have to make up for for great inflation. Well, and, and also think of. Go ahead. I was just going to say the moral and moral and cultural climate has at the same time also plummeted. Yeah. I mean, where yeah. is all this tranny stuff coming from? Where is the woke agenda coming from? Yeah. It's coming from the upper edu higher education, the yeah. university systems. Yeah, the Ivy. I mean, that's why I mean, we live in a university town. And you know Idaho's you know kind of reddish, I guess vaguely, <laughs> but um, but our town is blue, and we, we live in a blue city because we have a university town, and that's driven by the the the, um, the culture that's um, being it's being um, and it's being lifted up by and 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 promoted by all this government money, mm. and, and they can keep well, saying stupid stuff that doesn't make any sense, and the money keeps coming, and there's and there's no incentive for them to actually have to make sense. Well, you can start. Right our conservative legislators can start running on raising property taxes so that they can give more money to the kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. right? Right. I mean, and they do it. If you are, if the system is paying for what you're doing, you're not, you're not funding private education. You're expanding public education to cover those private right. instances. Good. And if, look, I'm sympathetic. Like yeah. I've worked, our company's worked all our lives to get the public schools to shut down, but we've done it by offering a better product and encouraging and, and telling parents how to get out of it. Yeah. Um, that's the way out. That's the way forward, I think. I mean, look, you can give $6,000 to a family, a single mom and a kid, and suddenly you can have paid for private school. 
but can she afford to drive him to private school? Can she find work that's going to give her the flexibility to pick him up and drop him off? There's so many other things that are involved. Um, and of course, we need to be doing that from a, a business standpoint, a corporate standpoint. But there's plenty of other ways to get uh, people education without the government funding it. Um, and I just don't see it as a solution. And they, the proponents who are honest with you will say they're trying to change people's minds that uh, public school is not the only option. And I'm warning you, that's not the minds that are going to get changed. The mind is that's going to get changed is the people who said, look, we've proven you don't need government money to educate. Those minds, that will get wiped out. And then you're going to wipe out the people who think, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, the government paying for anything good. And who defines good? If Republicans think this is good, then why are we to argue what the Democrats think is good? God, uh, Robert, defines good. Uh, okay. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Dave. Thank yeah. <laughs> to me, taxation is theft. Uh, and if God's probably not going to honor stolen money to educate our children in a way that he should go. Okay, so. now that's good stuff. Okay, so then, <laughs> so then the question I have then still goes back to what is the type of legislation that you want to see come out that will actually be your governor of can, Idaho for can, a day, man. Well, me, okay, can, can, I, can I modify the question sure, just sure. slightly? I, I mean, that's what I want to ask you. So, like, part of what I get pushed back, I've written some on this, I've 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 yeah. spoken some on this, and I get pushed back from people who say, "All right, you're so smart. What's your suggestion?" And, and so, I'd like to push that to you. Um, as my, <laughs> Help Toby out. As my, Help Toby out. As my personal think tank. Yeah. Um, what. Um, I mean, I, I and I appreciate it. I mean, like, I don't want to just be a critic. I also want to be somebody sure. who's offering something positive. Yeah. Incremental. I, um, what laws. What would be? I mean, mm-hmm. short of. I mean, I agree. Like my my long term goal because I, I I believe in what the Bible teaches. The civil magistrate's job is not to educate children. I think that was a massive mistake to get the the gov- public schools in the first place. But here we are, and short of you know a vote to just you know abolish the public schools, which I, you know we're not there yet. Um, sure. Are is there an incremental bill that you would support that would actually begin giving true educational freedom to families? Well, I think you know a couple of things we got to look at is just the red tape around starting a private school or those type of things. So mm. I would want to cut all of that to make private school as affordable and easy to start as possible. So you know corporations could start private schools or homeschool co-ops, things of that nature. You're just going to get a bunch uh, of diploma mills then. Not, but who cares if the private person's paying for it? If the government's not paying for it, if an individual's paying for it, check. Em, I mean, Robert. check them. Sixty percent of our graduates, high school. What is it? Forty percent of our high school graduates now can't read. So I mean, they can't do any worse. <laughs> um, How do you drop that's, this microphone? That's not funny. That's yeah. not so funny. The thing is, you know, something around letting people keep their own money. So some sort of tax rebate. Uh, where it's not going over your percent of property ta- of taxes going to education. Right. So, in like North Carolina, sixty percent of your taxes go to education. Yeah. So, if you have kids that are school age and you opt out of the system, uh, you could keep potentially that money back. What I don't like is when you can keep more than that back. Like you still got to pay for roads, you still got to pay for infrastructure, right? All of these other things. So, you know, something like that could be crafted well. Um, something where we incentivize, like I have a health insurance savings, so it's privately funded, uh, but the the business matches that. Mm-hmm. So maybe some ways where it's privately funded education and there's uh, some tax relief uh, 
dollar for dollar or some proportion related to that would be um, things that are not necessarily things I would like full-throatedly support, but I think are more conservative and less likely to change the mindset of Americans where we're normalizing welfare for effectively everyone. Robert, you've been writing about this and talking about this a fair bit. I'm curious what the reception has been yeah. as you've been talking about this. Are are you are is anybody um are you are you changing any minds in the right direction? I has more security uh, around him now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Um I mean I mean part making of, all my friends mad. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I've been I've been honestly pretty surprised. I mean, so Idaho is not exactly conservative, but I would say Idaho has a lot of libertarian instincts in mm-hmm. general. And I'm really mm-hmm. honestly surprised that there aren't more people like we're, we're, we're the type that just say like, give me my guns and leave me alone. Like that's kind of the, right. I, you know, the Idaho sort of libertarian spirit. And like, why is it so hard to convince people? Like, I think, I don't think I should pay for something I don't want to use. But it's for the children. For my kids, for, the, for, the for my children, I want to pay for the education that my children are going to get. And I don't want to pay for someone else's education. And I don't want to pay for something that my kids aren't going to use. I mean, like, just but we like, love all the kids. Hey, doesn't the Bible hey, say hey. to be selfish, Toby? Yeah, you're both. You're both. <laughs> um, I, but I mean, just like, I just think there's a sort of no, here's a, free the problem market, is- a free market, like freedom of choice, basic kind of libertarian argument that ought to um, Get some people's like, why, why am I being forced to pay for things? Like I don't pay for other people's healthcare procedures. Well, oh yeah, you do. Uh, do, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, I didn't know about it. You remember, you remember Idaho got sued because they would not give a transgender inmate, um, uh, Shut up, game. bottom surgery or whatever you want to call it. That's it. And we lost, we lost I know, that. I know. I know. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah. So, I mean, so these conservative Libertarian think tanks have been pushing this idea for 20, 30 years. Uh, there's a pushback against the teachers union. Every Whenever I talk to them and it's off the record, they acknowledge everything I'm saying is right. But this is the bet they're making, yeah. that they have not figured out a better way forward. And they said, Robert, all of those ideas, this could all blow up in our face. Um, but we want to attack the teachers union and... Uh, Yes. <laughs> to the left, Toby. <laughs> All right. Good. Right. Ha. Left of my screen. I got you right in I'm curious. I, one of the things I've been, I read through the Arizona ESA law and, and I, as, as, cause everybody's been championing the Arizona one as yeah. like, you know, this big win. Yeah. And I found out that, you know, basically like the whole budget is like massively inflated. I mean, that was how they got it through was they basically <laughs> promised like millions of more dollars, hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions more dollars to the public schools in order to do this, which made me think the teachers unions are a mafia. They are a mafia, and and I and what union isn't a mafia? Right, right, right. right. (laughs) Point, yeah, fair point. But I like I realized so basically the bet that they're they're doing right now is like if we pay off the mafia enough, Mm. we if we give them enough money, they'll give us a little bit of space, and then somehow they'll let us go. But that seems like a really bad bet with whenever you're playing with mafia. But but is is that is that where it's going to blow up? Is it going to blow up because the the uh, teachers unions are um are very very protective and ultimately will not let um this go? I mean, it's going to blow up because I think that one is financially un untenable. Like they just they're using a lot of Obama or not Obamacare money. They're using a lot of stimulus money to fund these projects. There's not uh, any forward way of right. uh, continuing to fund these without raising taxes considerably. 
and they're trying to, I mean, they're, they're trying to fight Marxism with Marxism. Yeah, come and on it now. is going to blow yeah, up. That's right. So yeah. it, it, you can't, uh, House divide is not going to stand against itself. And when conservatives adopt Marxist ideas to try to defeat Marxist ideology, it's just not something that I can wrap my head around. Right. So <laughs> um, there, there's a thousand ways I can see this thing blowing up. Yeah. And right. all the people on our side, are saying it's good. And so I felt like I had to come out and say, wait, it is not good. We need to have a public discussion around this. I mean, just think about Iowa changed their laws to pass it in about 48 hours so mm. that there couldn't be a public discussion about it. Uh, right. Man. Um, you know, Arizona has a Democrat governor now, so she can appoint people to boards that kind of yeah. oversee this thing. They'll try right. to start adding that Utah passed a really, mm -hmm. uh, a really small uh, ESA bill. And the very next day, they start talking about what regulations they needed to add. So they yep. added, they passed this bill without any regulations. So everyone was like, yay. <sighs> and the very next day, they're like, all right, now that that's passed and you guys patted us on the back, what other things can we right. now add to this bill afterwards? To, Because, right. um, hey, as a conservative, I want good government and good government should account to how the money's spending. Right. So if they're giving money to individuals, they need to have a mechanism <laughs> in place to right. know that it's being spent properly because yep. that's what I think good government should demand. So I don't, I'm not opposed to the strings being attached. Um, I'm just opposed to, you know, Scott was smart. I'm not going to accept the money. Well, why are you helping the bill then? Like if, if, you're, if you realize this bill is so bad, you're not going to participate in it, yeah. then maybe you shouldn't, shouldn't do it. So again, hey, I love that Idaho constitution idea where uh, they're getting the or the marriage, Idaho out of the marriage business. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to say, you know, like I appreciate Scott and everything he's doing. Like this is probably the one thing we disagree on. Mm, classicalconversations.com, classicalconversations.com. Robert Borden's been down since day one. He's a day one brother. Yeah. Hey, hey, we, we should, can, can we talk to you for a few more minutes you, backstage? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, sure. we're going to talk about David French, Texas, uh, Trump, incentivizing sex. We're going to talk about Trump, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Whoa. We're just going to solve all the world's problems in the backstage with my boy Robert Borden. So y'all want to stick around for that. Yeah, keep up the good work, um, Robert. I, Thanks. I hit the, or I guess it's God's will that I hit the organ because. Uh, <laughs> this is how we get Robert was preaching. He a was bit. preaching. All right. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is cross politics. There's something about a Hammond B3 that just mm. gets you, doesn't it? Just <laughs> glory. Mm. Just your hand. Putting off writing that proposal again? Yeah, we've been there. Proposal writing can be tough. It takes work. And if you're not careful, you can set up your company for failure. Well, that's where we come in. Smart Pricing Table is an innovative application that focuses on, well, the pricing table. Instead of a static document and constant back and forth, our platform creates interactive proposals that empower your prospects. Not sure if something is needed? Make it optional. Have complicated services that vary? Let your customer do the work with line item upsells. Have reoccurring services? Easy peasy. With Smart Pricing Table, you can create attractive proposals quickly. And our system is built for reuse, so you can get out of that hamster wheel. Give your customers choice and close deals quickly with Smart Pricing Table.
you might be starting to suspect that I am not a very big fan of federal financial aid. So let me confirm your suspicions and admit that I think it has been a bad business. Very bad. But let me first concede that federal aid has helped many millions of Americans, including myself, to fund their college experience. However, we often find that the benefits that we have received from something in the short term are completely undermined when we discover the long-term harm brought by that same thing. Incoming college freshmen are not the only ones that struggle to restrain themselves at the sight of the easy money that comes from student loans. Colleges have swiftly raised tuition to capture the extra money now available through Pell Grants, but especially the student loans. You must remember that colleges are businesses, and one of the primary rules of business is never leave money on the table. For instance, if you come to buy a car from me, which I intend to sell for $5,000, but I somehow find out that you actually brought $7,000 in cash and were prepared to spend it all, then guess what? The price just went up. Why? Because I don't want to leave money on the table. Similarly, if a college applicant can pay $7,000 for college, but the federal government comes alongside to give that applicant an additional $4,000 in Pell Grant money and another $8,000 in student loans, can you guess what the cost of college is now going to be? The answer is as easy as adding seven plus four plus eight. The new price is $19,000 because the college doesn't want to leave money on the table. To the skyrocketing cost of college tuition, some college presidents might say, look, education is just getting more and more expensive to deliver. We are simply passing the cost on to the consumer. However, there is no good justification for the steep climb in college tuition over the last several decades. Consider this, since 1985, the increase in the cost to attend college has doubled compared to the increase in the cost of healthcare. And while I think it is fair to say that healthcare has significantly improved over the last 35 years, I'm not sure that I can make the argument that college education has. Colleges don't like to admit it, but the fairly obvious cause in climbing tuition is not that this education costs more to deliver, but that there is more revenue to capture. This position was once advanced by William Bennett, President Reagan's Secretary of Education, and is often referred to as the Bennett Hypothesis. To quote Bennett, if anything, increases in financial aid in recent years have enabled colleges and universities blithely to raise their tuition, confident that federal loan subsidies would help cushion the increase. In 1978, subsidies became available to a greatly expanded number of students. In 1980, college tuitions began rising year after year at a rate that exceeded inflation. Subsequent decades have proved Bennett right. A recent study by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York demonstrated that for every dollar of subsidized student loan offered by the government, the market would respond by elevating tuition 60 cents. In the end, the federal money, rather than making college more affordable, has greased the skids for runaway tuition hikes. If you would like to follow this conversation, go to our blog where we will continue to post on our unique perspective on federal funding and higher education. The link is in the description or just go to nsa.edu and click on the blog.